Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Well, welcome back, listeners, to the Shakeout Podcast. I have not been on your airwaves for just over a week now, but uh, I'm very glad to be back. It is September 1st, and I am sitting in a beautiful little room in Leuven, Belgium, recording a voice memo on my phone, which I truly hope is going to have decent audio quality for all of you. And I am sitting on a Zoom call with my co-host, Maddie Kelly, who I haven't seen or talked to in almost a month. Maddie, how the heck are you? I am doing very well. I I have had a very full month, uh, but it was full of things almost exclusively that weren't running. And I needed it so badly. I started running again a little over a week ago, and I honestly went on those first few runs and I thought running is nice. I have zero desire to work out or go fast. And then finally I was running on Sunday and that's when it started to sort of daydream again about, you know, running fast and goals for the season and what comes next. And so, you know, the fire, the fire is back, but it took a full month, which I think, uh, is something that a lot of people are experiencing sort of post post this cycle, whether or not you were on the Olympic team or not, it was, uh, it was, it was rewarding, but it, it certainly, it was difficult. And I am happy to say that I am refreshed and ready to come back. I I completely agree. I think that the downtime is really important. And I think it's something that unfortunately you don't know that you haven't taken enough downtime until like two months later when you get back into training. So in all my years doing this sport, one of my biggest pieces of advice is take the amount of time you think you need and then take another week. Because in the grand scheme, unless you're getting ready for, you know, something, you know, cross country or something that's happening immediately, it's not going to make a difference. You got lots of time, but you can only dig yourself into a bigger hole. So I'm very curious. Tell us about the things that you've been doing that have not been running. So I went on a 10 day mountain biking trip in British Columbia and mountain biking is so fun and so scary and so hard. And it is a full body workout like no other. And I come from a skiing background. So everyone was like the mountain biking is going to be a piece of cake. You're a skier, blah, 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 blah. Here to tell you two different things. Also haven't been on skis since I was 15, even though I was good at 15. And that was a decade ago. So I am so bruised and cut up, uh, just from, from falling off my bike, from my foot coming off the pedals. And then, cause the pedals kind of have spikes in them to keep your foot on. But then if your foot falls off, you just get spiked in the calf with the pedals. So I was bleeding. Uh, I have a really sore wrist from just like toppling over. Um, my forearms are just shredded. Like it's just from like being on the brakes and like chattling down a hill. Anyway, but it was so, it was so freaking fun. And it was a great way to actually be active and get my body moving again without 
it feeling even remotely like running. So that's what I did. I did nothing for two weeks, just hung out with friends and, uh, supported my, uh, partner and a few of his athletic endeavors. And then I did 10 days of mountain biking and a month later I've started running again. Good for you. It sounds like a great way to spend your, your downtime. Um, I'm sorry that you're cut up in ways that are different from running, but I'm sure your muscles are thanking you for doing something a little different, getting a different stimulus in. And it sounds like your brain is probably going to be the thing that benefits the most from this which is awesome. And you can't think about anything when you're mountain biking. All you can think about is like rock, root, cliff, rock, root, cliff. Don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die up. Oh, shit, down. Um, like it is, it is true survival if, mode. Totally. If you, if you are someone who struggles with like a bit of an anxious mind, get yourself a mountain bike, learn how to nice. do it. It's Great advice. Really nice to just keep you extremely present. And you've just started running again. Yes, I have. And, and that's going to feel nice because it's almost fall. And I don't know about you, but fall is my favorite time to be a runner in our great country, especially is. Southern Ontario. It is a hundred percent. And a bit of personal news on that note, I am like a pseudo Guelph Griffin now. Um, yes, you are. That's so exciting. My coach, Terry Radchenko, took a job uh, at the University of Guelph. Very happy for him. And... Uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's been working for eight years. So I will kind of follow him wherever he goes. And now I train in Guelph. Uh, I haven't met anyone I train with yet. Uh, that's going to happen next week, but I'm, uh, I'm very excited for that new chapter. Congratulations to you and Terry and to the Guelph Griffins. I think this feels like it's going to be, um, a really positive experience all around. So I'll be excited and I'm sure our listeners will too, to continue hearing all the details of that as they emerge. I'm still in Europe. Kate been- is still racing. I'm talking like I'm done my off season. Kate has rolled on through and I give her major kudos. Thank you. Um, it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think we both talked about this when we were in Tokyo and a lot of people talked about it. When it's early August and you are in the shape of your life and you are doing the thing that you have wanted your whole life, it's really easy to be motivated to keep going and to set the best laid plans. And then you get home a week later after traveling across the world and um, suddenly you're tired. It's funny how this fatigue thing can sometimes set in in ways that we don't anticipate. Anyway, I think a lot of people are tired and I'm certainly, you know, getting there. Um, it's it's a long year and it's a long set of journeying given that I was gone for four months before the games. I was home for two weeks and now gone for another five weeks. Um, so I am looking forward to being done shortly, but it has been overall an exciting adventure. I have not raced at all. I've just been pacing, but this is a whole other world for me and I've really, really liked it. So we're going to go through some of the results with all of our Canadians because there have been three Diamond League meets that have taken place since our last rundown. I have participated in two of those three and will participate in the last two um, coming up on Friday and then next Wednesday. But yeah, I've been in, I went from Toronto to Eugene. I paced the 3000 meter at the pre-classic at Hayward Field, the new Hayward Field. Got to see that for the first time. I know you've raced there, Maddie. It is so cool. It is one of the prettiest tracks I've ever seen. Did you notice Ashton's Eaton's? No. Is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah, they have a canteen oh, called I Ashton's Eaton's, which I thought I did was see it. so nerdy and cute. 
That is very nerdy. And how could you not? I mean, whoever came up with that, kudos. Um, And then I traveled to Leuven, Belgium, where I am currently. I was there for a couple of days before going to the Paris Diamond League and pacing there. And I am back in Leuven. I am pacing at the Brussels Diamond League on Friday. And then I'll also be pacing at the Zurich Diamond League final next Wednesday before going off to New York City, where I have a spot on the Fifth Avenue start line. Fifth Avenue mile start line, which I'm very excited about because it's been on my bucket list forever and I've never done it. And Jenny Simpson's not running this year. So this is going to be the first time since 2012 that someone named Jenny Simpson isn't going to win. I can't take credit for that stat. I was just reading Kyle Merber's newsletter, but fun fact. Very fun fact. In fact, Jenny is making her long distance road racing debut very soon Mm -hmm. at the Cherry Blossom 10 miler. Stay tuned for updates and results on that. But we should go back and go over some of the results from the last three weeks, because as I said, the Diamond Leagues have been, as they say, lit. And we're going to go back to the weekend of August 20th and 21st, the pre-classic in Eugene, Oregon. We had a whole whack of runners participate. So as I said, that what was kind of fun was on the Friday night, the Friday night was all women's events and mainly distance, which was pretty cool. Now, very few of them, if any, were actual diamond events, um, but there were some studs that turned up. For instance, I was tasked with pacing being the first rabbit in a 5,000 meter world record attempt by Safan Hassan. That world record is 1406. It was a bit of a windy night. It wasn't, I think it was just really close to Tokyo. Everyone had not recovered yet, especially Safan, who of course did that triple in Tokyo. She ended up running 1427 completely solo, but I had fun going out and taking the field through about 1400 meters. And then we had another pacer go to 2400 meters. And I'll tell you, it's, it's hard to time trial from the front when there's a lot of pressure on. It's a lot of fun but it's, it's tough. There's a reason that rabbits are helpful. I understand this now as a rabbit, I would have liked a rabbit for me as a rabbit, <laughs> but anyway, it was a, it was a fun experience and, uh, Safan ran great, just wasn't able to quite get down to that 1406, but most of the fun action came on Saturday where we had, like I said, just a ton of Canadian athletes perform incredibly well, starting with Marco Arop, who won the 800 in 144. Now, this man is on fire. You'll remember that Marco was disappointed because he did not make it out of the semis to the finals at the Olympics, but he has had some proving himself to do, I would say, and he has more than done it. I mean, Marco, Marco's really good. Like, Marco looks like a computer went like beep, 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 and then spit out an 800 meter runner. Um, so like, I think he's more proving it to himself than he is proving it I mean. to all of us. Yeah. Yes. Cause like, I'm a believer and I know so many people that are, um, no, no, we didn't need any, we didn't need it to be proven to us, but I think he had some unfinished business on the track and he is getting it done. Like I've heard Marco's name thrown around with the likes of David Rudisha. Uh, so Marco's going to get there and his performances in the diamond league are an even further indication of that. Well, so far he's beaten all three medalists from Rio as a man who didn't make it to the final. So that says a lot. And that's the thing, folks, about the 800 meter. It's a crap shoot. <laughs> it really is. Championship racing is always a crap shoot, but there's something sneaky about an event that you don't run in lanes that is that fast and stuff happens. And, uh, Marco was, you know, was obviously in shape to be in that final and do well. 
and it didn't happen for him because the event is a, uh, pardon my French shit show, but he is showing just how fit he is now. Another dominant performance at that pre-classic was Andre de Grasse, who won the 100 meter in really exciting style. He ran 9.74, which is very fast. It was so fun watching. So because I had paced on the Friday night, I got to sit in the stands right at the finish line and watch the whole thing unfurl on Saturday. And Andre, when he crossed the line, I think about two meters before the finish line, he knew he was going to win. He threw his hand up and just basically followed his finger around the stadium as he crossed that line and start like it was almost like a pole vault falter getting to celebrate before they hit the mat he started celebrating right before he got to the line and then just carried it forward and the look of joy on his face was really really cool to see that's what shikari did at trials i mean that story doesn't end the way we hoped it would actually so the women's hundred was billed as like the Olympic final that should have happened. And Shikari ended up finishing last. She just faded. And I think that, you know, after an Olympics, when mental health was a real topic, I think we can say that like Shikari Richardson is going to be amazing in this sport, but she's had a terrible month. And uh, I don't think it's out of left field that this race didn't go all that well for her. I think she probably put monstrous amounts of pressure on herself. And well, so did everyone else. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the media scrutiny was frankly disgusting at times in terms of how much they tore this, by the way, 21-year-old woman down um, who has just emerged on the scene in a big way. And I completely agree with you, Maddie. I think she, it's not surprising. These women have all had an opportunity to especially in the sprints, you need those competitive races. You need to practice this over and over and over again. I think Shakari's obviously been training really hard, but she hasn't been able to race because the ban also precludes her from racing. So she's been doing whatever she needs to do in training, but there's nothing that will mimic an actual high-level race, particularly the highest level in the world, like the Olympics. So I agree with you. It was not surprising that she, you know, didn't run probably the way she wanted to. But if you watch her um, impassioned post-race interview, you will hear that she feels very far from done. And she has, uh, speaking of business, to prove to herself and to the world. You're going to see this woman back in fine form, I think. 100%. Moving on to the 200 meter, Aaron Brown and Jerome Blake finished fourth and sixth in the event. Mo finished 10th in the mile in 353, which is a really good day. Uh, a PB in the mile for Mo and Mo has struggled for years with the events underneath the 5,000. For years, he had like a 1500 PB of like 345 or something like that. Like his 15 PB and then his 5k time were hilariously far apart in terms of caliber, but he is finally working to lower that. And I'm sure feels like he's getting, you know, a bit of a monkey off his back when it comes to the events one mile and shorter. He really showed that last year when during the pandemic, he ran a 334 1500 uh, in July of 2020. So we, we know that he's, you know, capable of this. And then that 353 mile was also a personal best. So showing his range and that's what you need. I mean, he's got a great kick. He's a really strong 5,000 meter runner, but as a 5k, 10k runner, of course, it helps to have these kind of fast, shorter distance times in your wheelhouse as well. hundred percent. Gabriella debut Stafford was six in the 1500 meter in 401 and Alicia Butterworth 
and Regan Yee ran the 3000 meter steeplechase. Alicia with an amazing breakout performance coming 10th in 928, which is a new personal best and world standard for 2022. Yeah, that was great to see because she was kind of on her own. Regan finished about 10 seconds behind her in 11th. And I think Alicia was gapped by about eight seconds in front of her, six or eight seconds. So she was really working towards that time by herself. And it was a really, really gutsy performance. And finally, Charles Philibert Thibodeau was uh, third in the international mile. So there was a sort of... um, a B-level mile, I would say, and he ran 355. He has been really having an interesting season because he has been going out with the rabbits. He did this at the Falmouth race a couple of weeks before, and he really puts himself in a position to be tough and get the race going. And then unfortunately, he just got you know snagged at the line by a couple of these other guys, but kudos to him for making it a real race. Uh, following the pre-classic, the Diamond League headed over to Europe in Lausanne, Switzerland. Aaron Brown was fourth in the 200 meter. Marco won the 800 meter yet again in 144, yet again. And Mo Ahmed was ninth in the 3000 in 742. So Lausanne is not known as being a particularly fast meet in the distance events, partly because it is actually in all of the events, partly because it is often one of the chillier parts of Europe, or it can be in late August. And this was the case in Lausanne this year. I was in Paris while this was going on. They were only two days apart. Paris was on the Saturday. Lausanne was on the Thursday and it was windy and chilly. So the times kind of reflect that. I will say anyone who did both meets and did unbelievably well because there was a lot of travel involved and they were less than 48 hours apart. One of those people was, again, Mr. Marco Arop. So you'll remember he won in Pre, he won in Lausanne, both in 144, and then less than 48 hours later, he came to Paris and podiumed again, coming third in that 800 meter in yet another 144. And to see this man's composure with how much travel and how much racing that would be, I mean, you know what it's like to run two basically Olympic final level races, you know, in a short turnaround, never mind having to travel between countries to do it. So I thought, I think Marco's on fire. I will say, because I've gotten confirmation, we are having him on the podcast shortly. I'm very excited about that. And uh, it'll be really fun to chat with him. But he's such a, a lovely man. I've gotten to know him a little bit more on the circuit this year and just such a badass competitor. In other Paris-related news, Matt Hughes placed fifth in the 3,000 steeplechase in 813, just painfully close to a PB and national record, but a very strong run. And again, another person who has had a long, difficult 2020 slash 2021 and is there to just run a Canadian record. Fingers crossed. And he has one more opportunity to do that. Yeah, Matt is currently waiting to hear whether he gets into that Diamond League final in Zurich next Wednesday. That is a points-based system, so that's why he's waiting to kind of see how everything shakes down, but hopefully he will be in that. If not, he will be competing in Zagreb also next week before returning home to Canada. And I had the fun job, again, of pacing the 3,000 meter at that Paris Diamond League. Um, I took the group through about 1,300 meters. There was a second rabbit that took them through just over the mile. The paces were really fast. Uh, some great performances. In fact, I would say this might have been the perfor- the, the race of the meet. Uh, Gabriella Debuse Stafford was 10th in 844. She was just off of her personal best of 838. But I think, again, Gabriella um, is she's feeling the season. She's a bit tired. I know she's gone home and called it a season. And I think that was really the right move. Um, So good for her because she fought really tough in that race. It's just hard to hang on this time of year. 
And the final Canadian who raced in Paris was Aaron Brown, who was third in the 200 meter in 2020. My gosh, what a consistent season for him. No kidding. Yeah, really, really good to see. So that's all of the track news that we have from the last couple of weeks, but there is some exciting road stuff. Maddie, do you want to tell us about this new world record that we saw last weekend? The women's half marathon world record continues to fall in kind of startling increments. And I thought a few years ago when Bridget Koskai ran 214 for the marathon, I was like, this is wild. But the half record has changed so much since then. A woman's going to be running 212 in the next few years, 100%. Just like if you extrapolate these half marathon times to the marathon, that now seems completely feasible because the new world record for the women's distance, or sorry, for the women's event is under 64 minutes. Ethiopia's Yelemzer Fjelhawa became the first woman to run under 64 minutes. She won the Atrium Coast Half Marathon in Northern Ireland on Sunday, taking 18 seconds off the previous world record of 1.04.02 set by Kenya's Ruth Jepengedich last April in Istanbul. Yelenha, as I said earlier, is the first woman to ever run under 64 minutes and... Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so excited to see where these longer events go. And I could see in the next five years, you know, women, the, just the margin between women and men is going to shrink. It's like 10 to 12% in most other events and on the roads is where it is still its greatest. And I think that's going to catch up to everything else very shortly. Yeah, I completely agree. This was her third attempt at this world record. She had tried twice before. And in fact, she's had a bit of a rocky year because she came a disappointing fourth in the 10,000 meter Ethiopian Olympic trial. So she missed her spot on the Olympic team. Again, people can come back and just prove themselves beyond any shadow of a doubt. Uh, she finished third at the World Half Marathon Championships last October. So this really was a huge performance for her. She beat second place by six minutes. So it was also a largely solo performance. Um, obviously, women, as we know, can have male pacers through part of the race, but uh, this was a really, really amazing result for her. In other non-track related news, another world record, this time the 24-hour world record has gone down. This is Lithuania's Alexander Sorokin, and he ran 309 kilometers in that 24 hour period to break this world record. This means, Maddie, that he averaged four minutes and 39 seconds per kilometer over seven consecutive marathons. Let that sink in for a second. I can't do that for a 40 minute run right now. I'm so out of shape. That would be, that is so, so difficult. So this record is also pretty illustrious. It goes back to 1997. So Sorokin ran 309.4 kilometers. Back in 97, Yanis Kouros set the previous 24-hour world record in 303.4 kilometers. So exactly six kilometers different. And this record has been attempted over and over and over again. But this was the first time that it actually went down in 24 years. So this must feel really good for Sorokin. He's 39 years old. He also owns the 100 mile world record and the 12 hour world record. Both were set uh, earlier this year. So this has got to be a nice feather in his cap. 
All right, the Olympics aren't over, folks. They might be over for Kate and I, but they have not come to their conclusion as the Paralympics are currently underway and we have had a slew of Canadian medals. So far, Brent Lakatos has snagged silver in the 100, 400, and 5,000 meter T54 classification. He is planning to do every event from the 100 meter to the marathon because he is the very best man in a wheelchair in the world. Zachary Gingras also won a bronze medal in the T38 400 meter. This is his first Paralympic Games. His bronze medal performance was 50.85. He is only 20 years old and he is doing so well. It it was uh, a really great final 100 for him. And he took almost two seconds off of his former personal best of 52.65. So way to go, Zachary. Finally, shot putter Greg Stewart one gold in the F46 category. So this is Gregory's first Olympics, first Paralympics. He is 35 years old. He not only won gold, but also threw a new Paralympic record of 16.75. He is relatively new to the sport of athletics. So his category is F56. He was born with a without a, the lower part of his left arm. So his category is for single upper limb amputations. Um, he is what I would call a gentle giant. He's 7'2". He is actually my fellow um, Athletics Canada athlete director. He is the para-athlete director. So I've gotten to know Greg really well over the last year and a half. And he's just one of the most supportive, lovely men. And also, again, such an incredible competitor. As I said, he's relatively new to athletics. He actually played sitting volleyball for most of his career. So he won. He's a, a para Pan Am Games medalist from 07 and 2011 with Team Canada in that sport of sitting volleyball. But he said he's learned a lot about the sport of athletics and uh, obviously shot put over the last couple of years. And to not only win gold in your first Paralympics, but also to set the record, I, I just can't even say enough about this this result. So huge, huge kudos to Greg. Congratulations. He said he'll have a good cry when he gets back to see the rest of his team after he finished competing. That almost puts me in tears just talking about it. You can continue following all of our Team Canada Paralympic news um, by checking back in with runningmagazine.ca or, of course, uh, watching it live on CBC. Kate, what do you have coming up next? Talk the listeners through your next 10 days. Yeah, I can't believe my season is going to be over in 10 days. So I am pacing the women's 5,000 meter at the Brussels Diamond League on Friday. I will just say briefly, I had a bit of an adventure getting from Paris to back to Belgium. My, my suitcase was stolen off of the train, uh, including all of my running clothes, shoes, spikes, as I said, recording equipment, which is why I'm recording this as a voice memo on my phone uh, and some other recovery tools. So that was obviously a, a real disappointment. Some of my Olympic gear is gone. Hopefully I can get it replaced But it's been an adventure the last few days, just getting all of the essentials I need to get me through 10 more days of pacing and racing. I'm headed to Brussels tomorrow. I'll be doing that pacing job on Friday. And from there, I go to Zurich, Switzerland, where I am pacing the 5,000 meter Diamond League final on Wednesday, September 8th. Um, And then from there, I'm going to New York City and I am doing my first ever Fifth Avenue mile, which I'm so excited about. It's been on my list forever. 
I've been entered in the past and have either been injured or for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. So this will be my first fifth ab, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then Maddie, I will be coming back to Southern Ontario to join you in that region and take some downtime myself, which I'm also really looking forward to. Wildly well-deserved. Thank you. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, I feel very fortunate that I get to continue traveling the world and doing what I love. And it's great that I can continue bringing all of our listeners on this adventure because that's been a big part of the support for me. So thank you listeners for keeping me buoyed while I've been away on, on this cross world trip. Yeah. Internet. It's cross continental. International doesn't really do it justice. (laughs) Right. Very true. And I got to say, if anyone ever has an opportunity to come to the Brussels area. I'm I'm pretty sure all of Belgium is like this. I've been to a few different cities in Belgium. Oh my goodness. The running and the cycling are both incredible. I have not done any cycling, but of course everyone rides here. By the way, Flanders, Belgium is hosting the world championships in 18 days time, eight days time. Not very long. Not very long. Belgium is such an overlooked country. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I absolutely love it there. I've been twice. I'm hoping next summer will be a third time. And uh, yeah, I cannot say enough about it. Uh, Kate, I have a restaurant that I'm going to send you to in Brussels that is going to change your life. Please go. It is so good. And like bring anyone you meet with you. Um, You will be fed an entire ham hock and it is, it's just such good basic food and it's cheap and you eat at these big Camino tables with strangers and there's no menu. It's just written on a chalkboard and it's in an old church and it's just so cool. That sounds like everything I want. Please do send it to me. I will update the uh, ShakeOut podcast account um, stories, the Instagram stories with some updates of this. (laughs) But yes, Belgium is beautiful. The running's incredible. I'm about to go for a run in the forest. I feel like I could just run for hours there. I will not do that. But we will be back uh, probably in two weeks' time with another rundown. In the meantime, we will also, as I said, have Marco Arop on the podcast and lots of other great content. So for your few weeks now in review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll do this again soon. Bye.